Welcome to Club Management. I'm your host, DJ Shannon, and on this show, we talk to artists, DJs, and industry professionals on how they're changing their community through music. You can listen to the show on any platform like SoundCloud, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts. Just type Club Management. And this is episode 59. Episode 59 of the Club Management Podcast has arrived. And thank you all so much for listening and tuning in to the last episode with Lauer Shark and Derek Russo. What an absolute treat that was. And the whole entire mental health series was so special. Um, I thought I would kick off the show by sharing some personal good news of mine. Uh, we have officially reached over 2,000 downloads on this podcast, which is absolutely huge for a podcaster to do um, over a year. So I want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening, sharing, talking about this podcast, because I can't tell you how absolutely shocked I am when people come up to me and say they've listened to the show and that they support it. I mean, it amazes me every time. Um, So thank you for really just going on this journey with me of documenting what's going on in all these incredible music communities. Also, huge shout out to Nowadays. Uh, If you were there on Wednesday, I had the pleasure of sitting alongside some incredible storytellers here in New York City. I mean, Annabelle Ross, uh, who has done some incredible music investigative journalism for platforms like DJ Mag. Uh, Kiana Mickles was on the panel. She's um, a writer at Resident Advisor. It was just incredible to hear everybody's stories and share my obsession with you know, podcasting. And why I think this is just so significant to be recording what's happening during a time like this, right? Um, You know, I always think about what people will say when they come across this podcast, because I really think of it like a time capsule um, as to what was happening in 2022, uh, obviously the height of pandemic in 2020, you know, um, it's, this is a, a historic time to be living in. And I always think that, you know, somebody who comes across this podcast five or 10 years from now, um, might want to know how people were coping through that time, especially artists. Um, you know, how were they, uh, coming together and supporting one another through art and their, and their music and craft, um, which is essentially what birthed this idea, um, when I initially started it overseas, you know, I was just so interested in how people were just, you know, getting, getting by and and really coming together to create something out of nothing. And, man, that same ethos is, you know, oddly enough, extended to this podcast. (laughs) So what a really, um, you know, what a really uh, full circle moment this has been over the last two days, um, over the last week, rather. Um, And I just thank you guys so much for coming along and supporting. So without further ado, and I'm sorry, I am getting over a really bad cold. As you can see, there's a lot of congestion going on in the upper sinus of mine. (laughs) So I apologize if I'm sounding super stuffy, but we are going to be jumping into another series that I think you guys are absolutely going to love. 
I was inspired to create this next series after a friend had reached out to me looking to get involved with the music community here. And they were asking me for, you know, potential DJs that they could connect with, radio stations here in the city that they could possibly play at. And they wanted to connect with some party promoters that, um, you know, they could link with to potentially play at different venues here in the city. And I thought to myself, how daunting that must be to try and navigate the lay of the land in a place like New York City where everyone is just constantly doing something here in the music community. And it just kind of dawned on me, why not do a show about music industry etiquette? And when I presented the topic on Twitter, a lot of folks also seem pretty like excited to learn more about some different business networking tactics and they thought it could be useful to brush up on their own music industry etiquette skills. So for the next few episodes we are going to be talking to some of the movers and shakers uh, in music communities here in New York City in LA and how they go about networking in this busy, crazy industry. And networking can literally happen anywhere nowadays with the power of social media and obviously in person too. But there are ethics that one should keep in mind before reaching out to set up a show, a DJ gig, or any kind of music related business. If you're just starting out your journey as a full-time creative, navigating the music industry can seem very, very intimidating. Trust me, I know I have been there. (laughs) You know, when I started DJing at 25, I had no clue how to market myself or pitch what I did as a DJ, um, an event organizer. It took me a while to build the confidence and those skills to be able to network with people in my industry. So it can seem very daunting starting out. You might not know what to say or how to negotiate pay, performance contracts, a W-9, What is that even? Well, don't worry, this is why I'm here. And thankfully, I've tapped some incredible people in the music industry, both here in New York City and in LA, to share what they've learned over the years about doing music business on a professional level. Over the next few weeks, you're going to hear some amazing conversations from club bookers, DJs, and event organizers on how they handle their music biz and much of their work extends beyond the dance floor. They're the people that make the club experience what it is, and the job isn't easy. David Kiss knows firsthand. He's the music and booking agent at House of Yes, one of New York's iconic nightclubs. And if you've never been, walking into House of Yes on any given night is like stepping into a whole nother world. You're instantly swept off your feet by the thumping sound system and incredible aerial dancers who swing and twirl across the venue. It's a place where everyone lets loose and feels free to express themselves on the dance floor. And David is responsible for booking the incredible talent that walks through the club doors. When I reached out to him to share his thoughts about the music business, I knew he would have a wealth of information to drop for this series. David walked me through his incredible music journey of event organizing and how he and his team create unforgettable nightlife experiences at House of Yes. He also dropped a ton of gems on his expectations when new and up and coming talent reach out to him to perform at House of Yes. So check this out. 
um, you know, we haven't met in person yet, but um, obviously have been uh, speaking to you via email with bookings with House of Yes. Um, and I mean, it's just been a joy and a pleasure to play there every time that I've been there. Um, for folks who don't know what kind of experience that, um, you know, they go into when they go to a House of Yes event, can you kind of set the scene for, for folks and what they would expect? <laughs> That's yeah. a great question. Um, it's just, it, actually, it's a little bit overwhelming when you first walk in there for the first time. Yeah. Um, if, if you're walking in there when there's a party going on, you will see, I mean, all your senses will be just overwhelmed with people in costume. Um, decor is kind of crazy and all over the place. People hanging off the ceilings doing aerial stunts, music, um, people dancing, sweaty. You know, it's it's like everything that I feel like a, a party should be when it's when it's a good night. Yeah, that's very true. You know what I feel like House of Yes is? I feel like it's um, like what Paradise Garage or Studio 54 probably would have been, but like in our time. Every time I feel, every time I step in there, I feel that way. Like this must have been what those legendary clubs were like, or it'll give you a taste of what that must have been like, you know? Yeah, I, I agree a hundred percent. And I've, I've talked to people who've been to those clubs and they agree, especially like Paradise Garage. You know, I would say it's like, it's got like the opulence of Studio 54, but the vibes of Paradise Garage, which is really, uh, you know, it's basically my life's work and what I hope we could just bring to the table every time people come to a party there. So yeah, it's, it's awesome. Very true. Before we talk about what you do with House of Yes, what were, have you always been in the club scene or were you doing something before you um, got into the New York City dance scene? Yeah, um, I grew up in, on and off in Brooklyn and out, right outside the city in the Hasidic Jewish community here. And my family are all musicians. So I sort of came to the nightlife because I was a musician playing like weddings. I was in the Jewish wedding circuit here. <laughs> yeah. And um, around 2005, 2006, I started to become obsessed with like the vibe at the house parties that me and my friends were, you know, having just like I was hanging out. And I was always like kind of really into basically making sure the music would be right. And that led to me becoming a DJ. And um, then I got really bored. I was living upstate. I got really bored with what, you know, there's not much going on up there and went back to Brooklyn and got a like warehouse situation in Greenpoint. This is like 2009. and that's how I came to nightlife. I was just like, I didn't even realize that this was like what people did. Me and like two friends of mine were like, yeah, we want to move to Brooklyn, but we don't want to live in a tiny apartment. So let's see if we can find like a warehouse and just see if we can throw parties to pay the rent. Not realizing that that's like what everyone was doing. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it was like a normal thing. And everyone's like, yeah, duh. Um, and yeah, that's that's pretty much how I got to where I am now. That is really cool. Actually, take me through that. What kind of, um, did the party have a name that you were throwing at the warehouse at that time? Um, no, it, we were actually looking for external producers to throw their parties because we didn't really know anyone on the scene. So um, I think Rubalot did some parties there. Um, 
It was verboten before they were a club. They threw their parties, uh, shake and bake. It was a lot of like deep house. There was some side trance. There was some dubstep. This was like early before, you know, dubstep became what it is. Uh, yeah, it was kind of like all over the place, you know, Burning Man shows, hip hop shows. It was even like a comedy show. We were just like looking for anyone who wanted to give us some money to rent the <laughs> space. Yeah. And, and then slowly we started to throw our own parties, but it was basically always with other people. Wow. Oh my God. So you have literally seen New York transform over the last like 10 years and you've probably seen so much. Um, can you talk about just how nightlife has changed and um, especially now with the pandemic just kind of stopping things in 2020? I mean, how, how was that for you as a nightlife worker? Yeah, I mean, that was really rough for me, um, but I was blessed that I was still able to be employed by House of Yes, so I, I feel like um, really blessed by that. And I, you know, I made it through. I think all of us have been traumatized by the mm -hmm. pandemic. I think the hardest thing was just like suddenly not being able to be really present with people, you know? Um, I was so used to just basically producing parties at the at the club and being around people and taking it for granted and now suddenly it was like on zoom which was not really the optimal party <laughs> experience you know so that was that was devastating um but but to your earlier point um yeah things have changed a lot when when i when i started with that warehouse it's called 171 by the kosciusko bridge um there were a ton of spots like that like little illegal warehouse spots all over including House of Yes, by the way, uh, just doing cool shit. And then um, that has changed. I feel like that's not really a thing in Brooklyn anymore because of rent, because of the way the FDNY and NYPD cracked down after some incidents. And, you know, back then it was just like, people were like, you're on a Brooklyn? It was all in Manhattan, you know? Um, and now it's all shifted to Brooklyn and there's not a lot going on in Manhattan at least compared to what it used to be like. So yeah, it's major shifts. Yeah, yeah. It's so funny. Um, Every time I get booked for a gig, my mom's like, you've got to travel to Brooklyn by yourself every time. <laughs> like, can't they have something in Manhattan? I'm like, it's not how it works, mom. <laughs> Wait, do you live in Manhattan? Yeah, so I live um, in Spanish Harlem. So every time I do a show, I've got to travel back and forth to Brooklyn. Wow, okay, yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a lot. Yeah. You know, when I told my mom I was moving back to Brooklyn, she's like, oh, where are you moving to? I'm like, I'm moving to Williamsburg. And she was like, what? You can't move to Williamsburg. I'm like, ma, <laughs> you haven't been to Williamsburg in a minute, have you? <laughs> you know? So, yeah, I feel your mom. And and yeah, I mean, it's kind of sad because Manhattan was it and there's not really it's just different now. I feel like, yeah, especially like the meatpacking district was really booming mm -hmm. and it still is. Um, you know, obviously you have LeBain down there and there's a couple of other cool spots, but yeah, Brooklyn seems to be like the hub of everything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let's jump into it. So you are an event organizer at House of Yes. Can you walk listeners through what that entails? What does your work entail? So sure. Yeah. So um, officially I'm a music and booking director, which means I book all the music acts that happen or 99% of them that happen at House of Yes and at House of X, which is our, our other venue in Manhattan that we opened this year. Um, and 
also as the booking director, all public ticketed events go through me. So any inquiries I see, um, and I basically am like making it happen with my team and uh, making sure all the details, con doing contracts, negotiating, all the deals for anything that's public. And, and then there's like another team that does like private events, which is obviously a whole other sort of thing. So, you know, I uh, normally either I reach out to someone who we want to work with or often case these days, it's people reaching out to us. I sort of like have to sift through what makes sense, who, if it's ethically aligned with what we do, if it works with our schedule, if, you know, enough people are going to come out. There's, there's a lot of like little sort of um, things I have to think about, balls I have to keep up in the air just to see if it makes sense. But I basically do that, contract it, and then connect a producer or whoever to like our production team and take it from there. Oh, yeah. So um, fun fact about me, I used to briefly own a club in China called Cream. And, you know, we were mainly focused on kind of like this avant-garde sound. We would book um, really like everybody um, except for rock bands. <laughs> but we did have um, a couple of folks or, or rock folks reach out. And I just felt bad at times saying no, because it just, it just really wasn't a part of our aesthetic and um, the community that we were serving to. So when you do get approached by artists that don't necessarily align with House of Yes, how do you go about telling them no in the most politest way possible? <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing because I have a little like placard on my desk that I'm looking at right now that says House of No. <laughs> because I, I'm basically like a gatekeeper and my job at House of Yes is to say no to a lot of people, including my bosses all the time. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's difficult. Um, it's difficult. I try, I mean, at this point, I now have an auto reply set up to our like main sort of email where we get inquiries because we get so many inquiries that I, I just can't handle all of them. So I see all of them but I don't answer most of them. Um, and the, the, the auto reply basically is like, Hey, thanks for reaching out. We probably are not going to answer this. Here is a form for you to fill out, which asks very specific questions. And then I look at those, those forms. I'm like, okay, this person, they've never even been to house of yes. So probably not worth talking to them or whatever they're doing doesn't make sense or it does. And if it does make sense, which is honestly rare these days, because Basically, the people who are going to make sense to, to do something there, they're going to find me through a different way, whether it's like word of mouth or someone who knows me or knows someone at the club or they just have it, you know, they can get to me. So like someone who's like just cold calling, um, it often unfortunately doesn't make sense. Um, if someone reaches me directly and, they, and it doesn't make sense, I sort of very gently try to let them down and explain that it's not a good fit mm -hmm. if I can. Um, and that's difficult because I get so many emails and so many inquiries, even to my regular, my, my own personal email at House of Yes, that sometimes it might take like a month or two for me to like get to an email and, and answer something. <laughs> so, I can't imagine. I don't, I'm, I'm scared to see your inbox because it's probably filled with so many different reply, I mean, requests, you know? <laughs> it's crazy. And, and recently um, my partner and I had a baby, so I was able to go on family leave and my away message is still on, even though I'm back at House of Yes now. And I'm like, I, I literally tweeted today. I'm like, I think I'm just going to keep this on because this is a great excuse. I can hold people off for longer and only answer like the super priority mails and uh, people won't be mad at me. 
So yeah, it's, 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 it's a lot. Honestly, it's, it's rough. I, I have to like talk to my therapist about it because I feel bad all the time. Like I'm saying no to people and, you know, I'm letting people down or sometimes I'm not even able to answer people. Uh, so that's tough. And it's also tough because, you know, someone might hit me up who has my number and I have to be like, okay, are they hitting me up because they're my friend or do they want something from me? Do they want to do an event at House Yes? Do they want to DJ at House Yes? And that is also kind of a little bit rough on my like morale, but uh, you know, that's comes with the job. Yeah, yeah, always, I, actually it's so funny that you just said that I was talking to um, Kristen about this from nowadays and she was saying that sometimes that line between professional and that line between, you know, um, like friends or, you know, just those two worlds can get kind of mixed up when you're in this line of work and sometimes it's hard to just kind of um, decipher, you know, what is what. So I definitely feel you on that one. Yeah. I mean, I mean, just like, sorry to interrupt, but just like, it's funny you were asking about the pandemic. I think actually the pandemic shifted this in that it feels easier for me to like talk to people openly about that now, Mm -hmm. like to be like, Hey, I'm overwhelmed right now. Sorry. I didn't answer your text message three weeks ago. There's a lot, I'm I, just a lot, you know, and I feel like I didn't feel comfortable saying that before, but now I feel like we've had this collective, you know, PTSD of everything we've gone through and people maybe are more open to hearing or just like talking about their feelings. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, and I've definitely, I mean, I, I'm thinking of someone who's a friend who is like texting me at like five, four five in the morning about how they need a DJ there and all this sort of stuff and like getting mad at me because I hadn't answered their text yet. And, you know, I have to be like, Hey, this is not cool. And we're friends, but also I have a life and this isn't, this isn't <laughs> like an emergency, you know what I mean? Um, and that, that's the thing. Like, yeah, a hundred percent. Kristen's right about that. Like there's people who they, it, they blur the lines. They think because it's nightlife that, you know, we're like on 24 seven and mm-hmm. that it's like the end of the world. Um, but you know what? Like, this is a job. I, I care about it and I care about nightlife, but also like I, I need my space, you know? <laughs> yes. And yes, we all need to prioritize our space too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just kind of piggybacking off that real quick. The other thing that I've kind of encountered is like friends asking for guest lists and then you know, you have family members or just other people that obviously have asked first and then they kind of get mad at you because, you know, you didn't put them on the list. (laughs) I'm running into that from time to time. And I'm like, dude, come on. Yeah. I mean, so my coworker, Bobby, who works with me in the booking department, he said it best on Instagram the other day. He wrote, you can hit me up for guest list if we hug each other when we see each other. And I was like, oh, I really like that. Yeah, if like we're that tight and we hug each other like a real hug, then hit me out for guest list. If not, yeah, don't don't do it. Especially not at like when the event is starting at ten thirty p.m. Like, hey, can I get in or or one a.m. Don't do it, and don't go up to the door guy and be like, hey, I know David. That oh my- doesn't work either. <laughs> oh my god, I think that was so important. Thank you for saying that because I've definitely had someone do that to me before, and it was somebody that I didn't really know that well either. So. It was quite embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, it's, it's weird. I think people, you know, nightlife is for people to come together and community. And a lot of people like really need that. I mean, we all need that, but like a lot of people in nightlife really, really need that. Like they, I feel like people in nightlife really are coming from a place 
to be together. And so I, there's like boundaries that sometimes get just blurry and crossed because it's like, I really want to be with my people right now. I really want to be in the club dancing and forgetting that, Hey, okay. Yes. But also like there are boundaries, you know? Yeah, so Very true. Um, you know, oftentimes you might have a DJ who really wants to play at House of Yes or any venue around the city, but they might try and ask for like an absorbent amount of pay. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, you know, what are some things, especially if a DJ or an artist is kind of emerging and still hasn't really like built up a following yet, what are some things that you want those particular artists or DJs to remember when they come to people like yourself to negotiate uh, bookings? Yeah, excellent question. Um, I mean, first of all, they should come with like a resume. And by resume, I mean, they should have a recent mix, Mm -hmm. preferably live mix from a live party or just like a live mix for me to listen to. So I really understand where they're coming, you know, if they make sense or if they fit or not. If, If someone sends me like, something that and i don't really like like the like homemade mixes that are like for a radio show i I really try to get mixes from people that are in front of a live audience and i I get it like newer djs may not even have that so i'll still listen and check their their selections but that's the number one thing like in any inquiry send that right away you know and something recent um but yeah regarding pay um I think I'm pretty fair with pay. I try to, I think the standard should be that any DJ who's playing any set to start should make at least 250 bucks these days, maybe, maybe 300. But, you know, I work for a venue that has resources and can basically afford that most of the time. Um, I don't, I don't know that other venues can, especially like smaller bars and clubs, but I think everyone should be paying that. Um, However, the caveat with that is like, you know, sometimes, yeah, sometimes you're at a bar and they only have 150 bucks. And I think that that is worth it sometimes. I I played many gigs as a DJ for very little money because I needed to get into the business. You know what I mean? I don't think anyone should be playing for free. Um, So if someone approaches me and they ask for a really exorbitant amount, I would usually tell them, hey, I don't know if that makes sense. Um, This is what I can pay. This is my budget you know um uh, other i know that other brokers might not even answer so uh i would ask for 250 to start for, for any like newer dj that doesn't really have a following doesn't really have a draw plays a lot around town or whatever i would start with 250 or 300 and see you know it doesn't hurt to shoot for higher and, and see how that goes but uh i think that that's fair mm-hmm. definitely Um, you know, newer DJs are often kind of scouting on social media to see if they can connect with nightlife individuals. Um, but I can't tell you, (laughs) I mean, how many times I've had folks even approach me and say, Hey, in the inbox and nothing else, or, Hey, can you listen to my mixtape? And like, don't even, you know, address who they are. Um, (laughs) what are your thoughts about people like that? And what would you have to say to them um, if they want to catch your attention? I think, I think that that's not going to work for me. You know, I think they're being lazy and what they need to do is go to the club. You know, I get a lot of inquiry, you know, so I have an inquiry form. If you hit the booking at house, yes, email for DJs. And one of the questions on there is, have you been to house of yes? Because if you haven't been there, I'm probably not going to book you. 
Mm. You know, because especially in 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 New York, there's like a, a really like heady music scene, and House of Yes doesn't really fall within that world. And so the last thing I want is someone who's maybe even a good DJ, but they have like some thoughts or you know preconceptions about what they should be playing and then they come in and they play in this room which as you know is a big room and big energy and demands a certain energy and vibe from a dj and if that dj has never even been there they don't know what they're stepping into so you know a come to the club and then like if you're in the club chances are you you might actually connect with especially at house yes you might connect with someone who works there because we're a family here and uh that's the best way to honestly to get in like connect with people there and be part of the community and then you know at some point you mention hey i'm a dj i would love to play that person will probably connect you to me so that's i think that's the way like hitting me up in my dms is likely not going to (laughs) work you know i don't i don't really check my my socials that much um i don't check my dms because i as i mentioned earlier i'm like worried about seeing messages from people asking for stuff so especially from someone i don't know not really the way yeah i definitely understand that and even i'm conscious about like giving people social media because i don't know i just I, i i will say i have like contacted bookers through um instagram and twitter from time to time but obviously i do it in a way that's not like you know just weird and straight like, hey yeah yeah exactly um how are you right i love that one i'm like uh, yeah right I'm, and like I'm little, well. how are you literally nothing else after that <laughs> um but yeah i do it in a way that's not strange um and obviously you know I, I ask questions about the person as well like i don't want to ever feel like this is just like transactional i actually want to know the people that i'm doing business with or you know that are promoting the parties on an individual level as well yeah and and i would say that if you are going to hit me up on socials yes it should be like a mature well thought out message and not like, Hey, or how are you? It should be like, Hey, you know, because I, at some point I probably will see it. And I probably, if, if I see a message that looks like it was well-written and isn't like, like a long essay, it's just like, Hey, here's what I do. I'm a big fan of house of yes. I'd love to talk about playing there or producing a party. Like at some point I might see it and I will go to your profile and check out your shit. And if like, you look like legit and you look like you're doing cool stuff, it is possible that I would answer. So it's just, just be like, you know, like you would never like reach out to like a potential employer and be like, Hey, you know, you would send the resume. Right. So that's the resume in nightlife. Like think, think, think it through. Right. Yes. I would say, you know, the best plan of action is to actually find whoever's email it is, the booker, you know, the club manager, find their email and contact them via email. That's like usually if I if I feel kind of uncomfortable hitting them up on social media, I'll just go straight for the email and, and write up something nice. Yes. Uh, so that, I agree with that. I think that's the best way. It's not that hard to find. It's not that hard to figure out how to get in touch with me via email. You know, um, there's a booking email that I, I actually see every email that goes in there. I look at every one. I might not answer, but I look. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- it's not that difficult. And, uh, you know, I've definitely seen an email and been like, this person looks cool. You know, I have like a few minutes. I click on their SoundCloud. Oh, their music selection is great. Cool. Let's put them in somewhere. Yeah. It happens. So as long as like, yeah, that email isn't like wildly long, 
you know, <laughs> I, if I see a giant email, I, I don't have time to read it, but like, just like short to the point, polite, written well, like, and of course the content, the music is, is good. I will, I will check it out for sure. Yeah. Um, now when you do find an artist that, or a DJ that you want to have play and you guys negotiate everything, um, I know when we've done business in the past, I usually send a performance agreement just so that everything is all clear and that we're both on the same page and we sign it. Um, do you see a lot of artists doing that as well, just to have everything kind of in writing? No. And, and I was really impressed when you sent that to me because literally no local artists ever do that. And I think that they're setting themselves up for, for potential issues with other bookers in other places. Uh, when I got that from you, I was impressed. I, I love to see that. It also makes my job easier because it's like, you know, there's a, a clear record because if we have a, a just a call or a conversation, like it's just, you know, things can be just not clear, uh, but that is great. And I highly, yeah, I highly recommend doing that. That also shows that you have your shit together. You know what I mean? I like to see that. Yes, of course. Um, also, I want to talk a little bit about uh, writers. For mm -hmm. folks who don't know what a writer is, could you tell them? Yeah, a writer is um, something that you add onto a contract, mm -hmm. typically. Um, but a lot of DJs send it; with, they'll send it without a contract. But it, it basically mm -hmm. tells whoever you're going to play for what your technical needs are, like what DJ equipment you would like to have present in the booth when you get there and also what hospitality needs you are like I want water I want 10 bottles of vodka I want you know green M&Ms that's all the things that, that's all in there um there could be a lot more information in there like uh especially if it's like an international DJ like what they want in a hotel room what sort of hotel room they want what sort of transportation they want flights all that sort of stuff could be in there but but basically that's that's what it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, I, and, and most DJs, local DJs don't send that either. They don't even send answer questions from my team when I'm like, hey, what are your hospitality needs? No answer. Really? Why not? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know because I'm like, hey, we have a, you know, we're on top of our shit and we want to know ahead of time so that we could be prepared for you. So, yeah. Um, Let me tell you the last uh, time that I was there for, uh, what was that? Um, was it no oh, alternate um i just had a ball i think there was a young man named oliver who was my contact or my person of contact for the night yes. and like he just took care of us he had everything that i had asked for in the in the rider ready to go for me and uh, my folks who came out for the show and just i always feel like i'm just taken care of and like i'm a superstar when i'm at house of yes so thank you guys so much for just yeah showing great hospitality to the artists yeah. and I'm so glad to hear that. And thank you for that. Um, it's great to hear. Um, yeah, you know, that came from, so before I took on the job at House of Yes, it, this was in 2019, I was like a resident DJ there and there were like issues with the booking department, but part of those issues came from the fact that the previous booker literally was the booker and that person. So they would be like on stage all night and also working all day. And that was very difficult. So when I came on, I basically told my bosses because I was coming from the point of view of an artist, you know, you know, I've been DJing for years and I know what, what I need on stage to feel comfortable and great. So I was like, Hey, I can't be doing the booking job and also be like an artist liaison hospitality person. That's just impossible. Mm -hmm. um, we need to hire people. And, and it took a little bit, but eventually 
uh, we put this whole team together of liaisons. We call them artist liaisons, right? And their literal job is to be on stage and make sure you have whatever you need, keep any like patrons away from you that might like try anything. Um, and just like sort of like just a babysitter, a DJ babysitter, you know? Um, <laughs> and and it, it, right? Like you feel like a rock star, which is how you should feel and you feel comfortable. And then I know we're going to get the best set out of you because you feel comfortable. So that's where that came from. It was like me being feeling like, hey, I don't know what's going on. There's also performances at House of Yes. So like the liaison might like tell you, hey, there's about to be a performance. They'll do like the switch over between DJs. It's really important role, really important. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad that, I'm glad you got to experience it. Yeah, of course. Um, just a follow-up question for the writer um, question. What's the wildest thing that you've seen on a writer? <laughs> um, you know what? It typically is like gear stuff, you know, mm -hmm. like David Morales, for instance, he recently played at LCS and his like monitoring situation was, um, it was like so powerful that we were having like phasing issues, meaning it was so loud that it was canceling out some of like the frequencies of the subwoofers, which are underneath the stage at House ES. <laughs> and so there was like, a, like the lower mid range of sound in, in the room was just like missing because of how loud his monitors were. And I think he's kind of deaf. Um, so that that's like really wild. Um, you know, people will request like all sorts of like alcohol or like, yeah, I haven't seen anything too crazy. I mean, I remember seeing Ellie Escobar back in the day on his rider would say that you had to like, we uh, have a CD or vinyl of any Madonna pre-1991, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> that's wild. That's right. That's really yeah. specific. Yeah. It's not on his rider anymore, but it was for a minute. And one time I, the first time I booked him was at some festival I was booking for. And I like tried to have like a CD and I was, and I couldn't make it happen. I was all like apologetic. And he was like laughing at me because it was obviously a joke and I didn't realize. <laughs> so, yeah. That is so funny. Um, but yeah, wrapping up here, I, I would love to see you DJ. I have not um, catch, had a chance to catch one of your sets, but um, when people see you perform, what are they gonna see? What kind of music do you play? Yeah, well, I haven't been playing in a minute because of uh, the fact that I just had a baby. <laughs> and uh, thanks. Um, but actually I'm playing tonight at House of X and I'm playing, we're doing like, a, actually the whole booking department at House of Yes is DJing tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Bobby and Danielle to her like first time DJing um, and we're playing like disco. I, I love disco, funk, house, um, but to be honest, I'm kind of all over the place. So it really depends on the night, but I'll tell you something. If you see me at a house of guests and there's a specific theme for the night, the music I play will probably be on theme, right? So if it's like, like a, I don't know, a darker theme, like we have a house of no party or a full moon party, it would be like more like moody, maybe some techno but yeah. if it's like a disco party i'll be playing disco um if you see me play a private event i might be all over the place because i, I basically started off as open format so mm. whatever whatever like kind of the vibe demands is where i will be musically and which is also what i apply to the job as the booker yeah. trying to make sure the djs will be appropriate for the vibe like my 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 goal as a dj and as a booker is that the vibe at House of Yes is just uplifted. Like whatever that vibe is, it's uplifted by the DJ and not not like necessarily the center of attention, just like in tandem with everything that's happening. So that's kind of what, you know, you'll get from me as a DJ too. Um, I wanted to say before we go, I actually made 
a list of some things. I was looking at your tweet originally about this. And I, I, do you want to hear some things I was thinking DJs might want to hear? Of course. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, first of all, when you're negotiating, try not to make the first offer. Everybody mm-hmm. kind of knows this, but like, if you're hitting me up, especially if you're like, not like a first, a, a newer DJ, you know, try to get the offer out of me first. <laughs> that's my secret of negotiating. I'll just ask people like, oh yeah, what's, what's your fee? You know? Um, so that's, that's a, uh, I, obviously you can't always do that, but try. Um, this is just like in general for general communication. Yeah. I learned this a while ago. Try not to use words like just or wanted. Like I just wanted to do this or I'm just, cause it kind of sounds like you're coming from a place of like, you know, you're not sure. And you know, be confident, like, especially when you're approaching me, be like, Hey, this is who I am. This is what I do. I'm dope. You know, like obviously not being like a full on narcissist, but you know, (laughs) being sure of yourself, I think really helps. And not just like with, with me, just in any communications on on email, I I really feel like it, it, there's like a subtle thing there that comes through. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I've been seeing the talk around Twitter about like DJ fees and how high people are trying to do. Like, I, I would say, don't make rules for yourself around, you know, what you're going to do that are fully black and white. Like, mm-hmm. of course, like you should get paid, but sometimes, yeah, sometimes there is a situation where it might be worth paying for very little because mm-hmm. it's, it's an incredible opportunity. It's an opportunity, you know, an opportunity to get in with a club or something. You know, when I started playing in house, yes, I didn't get paid a lot of money and mm-hmm. look at where I'm up right now. So mm-hmm. I, I would say just be nuanced. I don't think anyone should be oh, I need 300 bucks or I need $500 or I'm not even looking at this. I don't think that that's a great way to like manage your career. Um, but my next rule is get paid, you know? Make sure you get paid, don't work for free. It's also just bad for the scene. DJs working for free is bad. Don't don't work for exposure. That's yeah, just Exactly. And that, you know what, like the, the talk, it'll definitely like come back around where, you know, DJs talk between one another and they're like, oh man, that person didn't pay. And it just doesn't look good on the, on the person at the end of the day anyways. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, if you're, if anyone's doing any booking too, like if you have to take a loss to pay someone, do it. Like if you had a, a really bad, bad luck and a bad party and mm. you're in a situation, like talk to the your DJ and be like, Hey, this is what's going on, but pay them. Like maybe you can work something out with them and book them again and, and whatever, but like, don't not pay and don't not communicate because that will ruin you in the business. Mm-hmm. So that, that's really important. Just like doing business, like morally and, and properly and communicating, you know, I think, I think most of the issues happen around people that are afraid to like communicate, Hey, I fucked up. Hey, I like double booked you or with another DJ or another event, like just be upfront with people and that will get you way further than like trying to like ignore a situation. That is um, a fact. Yeah. yeah. Communicate. And then, you know, sometimes in the scene, you can feel like you're just like, I don't know, like there's not no quite connection between some of the people that you run into this mm-hmm. scene. They're just kind of like in it for the money and not really passionate about the culture that's behind it or the history that's behind it. Um, and one thing that I just really want to tell listeners is like, you know, really make sure to find people that um, you are aligned with. Um, you know, find people that are going to support you and cultivate your art and your talent uh, and that respect you because sometimes you run into some some crazy people in this industry. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Lots of crazy people. And yeah, I mean, hundred percent. And that's why I was saying like, go to the club. Like you want to play at, at 
at good room or you want to play at a house of yes you want to play go to the club and try to meet people because there's no honestly the best way to get booked by me is to meet me because mm -hmm. if i meet you and i'm like oh i get a good vibe from you that goes way further than anything, any email or message. Like that's the best. And, and I try to like also always talk to agents. When I book like larger DJs with agents, I always try to get on calls with agents and mm -hmm. some agents avoid it at all costs, probably because they don't want to like, you know, <laughs> they don't want to like negotiate with someone they like. Um, <laughs> but, but that really goes a long way. You know, some of my best relationships with agents are because they will call me and talk to me. And so I'm like way more willing to like book their DJs because like they'll just call me up and be like, hey, let's talk about this. And they're real people. They're not like just behind an email trying to get it paid, you know? Yeah. So that's that's important. A um, couple more things I want to note. I, I'm, if you let me know if I'm going over, but oh no, no dude, like... I love it. Keep going. Okay. Yeah. I got a whole list. I, I've been, I like made a list over the last week. Um, <laughs> this is really important for me at House of Yes is learn how to use CDJs. And, mm -hmm. and I know that that's difficult for people because not everyone can buy a CDJ or have access to it, yeah. but there are ways. Um, I mean, first of all, like you can go on YouTube and at least watch a video, but also you can reach out to me or reach out to, there's programs at nowadays with, with Jada Lorraine and other DJs in the community who will come, let you come, let you try out CDJs and learn on them. I will literally allow people to, if, if it makes sense schedule-wise, I will let people come to House of Yes and try out CDJs. That is like so important for me because um, I don't have anything against laptop DJs. I used to play on laptop myself, but I don't like it at House of Yes because, um, you know, when you're switching over, there's always technical problems. Um, I also feel like it's weird for people to look over the DJ and see them bent over a laptop. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, there, there's a few that play, like the, the DJ that plays every Thursday, Dirty Finger, he plays on, on Serato and, but he's like on a different level and it doesn't, you know, it's not a problem. It's not, there's no technical issues. He plays all night. Um, but yeah, and, and my main thing though, is like I, when I myself switched from laptop to um, USBs, I, I, my skills just like went up by a lot. You know, you have to like organize your music better. And I feel like I was like watching the crowd more. And so I really try to book DJs that play on USBs for, for all those reasons. So that's really important for me. I don't, I'm not speaking for anyone else. And I'm also not even hating on laptops. It's just House of Yes, if you want to come play here, right. I would prefer that. Yeah. I mean, and it's just the industry standard, right? Like when you go to a club, you're going to see CDJs there yeah. um, more times than not. So it's important. And let me tell you, the sound system at House of Yes is very, very loud. So if you're clanging, it will be heard. <laughs> yep. And yeah, let's, let's be honest. Like a lot of times laptop DJs have files that are, you know, yeah. not the greatest quality and that you can hear that. I mean, I could walk in the room and I can tell if someone is playing in Serato or, or tractor, it has a sound, you know? Mm -hmm. So I, CDs are, are usually better. You t I, most DJs, I feel like if they're on USBs, they, they have better, just better files. Mm -hmm. And so it's gonna sound better. And that, that affects the crowd in all sorts of ways. So yeah, that's really important. Mm -hmm. um, what else? Don't take yourself too seriously. <laughs> yeah. You know, like this, like I said earlier, it's not the end of the world. Like this is not, none of this is a matter of life and death. It's important. It's culture. It's all important, but also like we sh we're here to have fun. Like I'm here to have fun. Everyone in the crowd is there to have fun. The DJ should be having fun. Mm -hmm. uh, things happen sometimes on stage. Like 
you know, people jump over a barricade or whatever, like, and of course, like, respect yourself and not let anyone disrespect you, but also like, don't take anything too seriously. So that's, that's like really important. Um, of course, we said, we mentioned the contracts, deal memo is really important to have like a written record of what you, uh, what your deal is yeah. at the venue and invoicing. Yeah. This is the other thing. There's so many DJs that just, I ask them for an invoice and they don't send it or it takes them months to send it. They don't have a W9, like have mm -hmm. your shit ready to go. Have a W9. That's a tax form that just like tells us how, you know, what to tell the government because we're not paying your taxes. You have to pay your taxes um, and have an invoice. That's like very clear. I DJed at House Yes on this date for this party. Here's how to pay me here. You can pay me via you know, direct deposit via PayPal, like have as many options as possible and as clear as, as possible. And you will get paid very quickly. If you don't have all that, then it's suddenly like, I have to like spend time trying to get that stuff from you. And then you miss the payroll cycle. And then, you know, people get upset, like, Hey, I didn't get paid yet. And I'm like, well, you didn't send us a tax form. <laughs> well, it took you three weeks to send it. And we throw a lot of parties, you know, and normally the, you guys send like a little form that they have to, everyone has to fill out and it has all the basic details and, and whatnot. So they just don't fill out the form. <laughs> yeah, you'd be surprised. And they don't fill it out. And sometimes they get upset then, you know, because they didn't read their emails. Oh my God. At this point, yeah. And at this point, like we have someone sending that form. It's great. But even sometimes it might not happen. Like then send us an invoice, send me an invoice with the tax form and make it, e make it easy for us to pay you. So that's, that's yeah. important. Um, don't be late. <laughs> Nothing really bothers me more than a DJ who shows up, you know, 10, 15 minutes late to play a house. Yes. Like you had all the time in the world or at least warn us. Like there's some people who show up. They don't even tell us, you know, like you have a liaison that you're on email with, like text them be like, Hey, something happened. I'm running behind so that we can be ready because we have, as you know, on a Saturday night, a line down the block for people trying to get in. And if there's no DJ there, that's like not cool to all those people. That's actually happened. I would be, oh my God, I could not live with myself if I was late to a DJ set. It's happened a bunch. Jesus. I out like I purposely make sure to come an hour. Like even when you guys are just still setting up, I'll come early just to test things out. Um yeah. and like, you know, meet the liaison and just chill until it's time to to start. But Ooh, that's I, yeah i recommend that and if you're playing like after someone come early so you feel out the vibe because maybe you prepared your playlist and then you get there and you're like wait that's not going to work so if you walk in like a minute before then you're you just have no context for what's happening the vibe in the place so come come mm -hmm. early and like feel it out and have a good time and like walk around the space and see what's happening that night and then you will play better you know so that's that's really important um what else uh don't do cocaine. <laughs> do cocaine. It's just like so bad. It twists people's minds. I mean, also like these days, cocaine has fentanyl in it. It's dangerous, mm -hmm. but like, don't do it. Yeah. Don't do it. I've seen so many people just get ruined as artists and DJs because they just like get addicted and yeah. it affects them as people. It affects the way they play. It, like stay away from that shit. Mm. It's just evil. Um, I've got, two more and one is don't eat a big meal right before a gig that's my own personal advice <laughs> as a dj why um, well i look at it this way like when you are hungry mm -hmm. you're you're just sharp you know what i mean right. you like are aware of everything because i think for me i think it's like 
your animal self is like aware of everything that's happening. And I feel that I'm a better DJ when I'm like fully, I'm not like saying I'm coming in there starving and hangry, but yeah. if I eat a full meal, like I feel bloated and tired and I, and like out of it and just like not as aware of people in the room and their vibes is when I'm like sharp. You know what I'm saying? Got you on that. I think I have that same ethos for drinking before a set. Like mm-hmm. I don't drink at all when I'm performing um, and I'll wait until after just cause like, I don't think I'm as a sharp when I have liquor in my system playing as, you know, being sober. Smart. Yeah. I rarely drink. I'll, I mean, sometimes I'll have a drink during while I play. It loosens me up a little bit, but I'm with you. I mean, I've seen some talk about horror stories. I, I've seen people just get trashed and then we had to pull them off the stage. A house. Yes. It happened like at least twice where like wow. dude is just too messed up and can't even play, you know? Mm. So don't fall down that. You'll never get booked by me again. <laughs> and I will also tell everyone I know. <laughs> you know, I'll be like, don't book that person. They got so trash they couldn't play. That's the thing too. I don't think like artists who just, you know, or DJs who just like are up there doing any old thing, like don't they realize that promoters talk? You know, I, I always think about that as well. I don't know, you know, like I, don't, I think it's some people just are addicts and they don't even think about it. But like I literally, it's so funny. We were talking about reaching out and just saying, hey, I got a message like that this week. Someone was just like, hey, and it was this dude that I'm thinking of right now that I literally <laughs> had to go up on stage after, after like 10 minutes of him playing only a kick drum at like three o'clock in the morning <gasps> and be like, all right, buddy, you're done. We're putting you in a cab back to your hotel. Um, and it was still done. packed in the, in the, um, in the club. I mean, yeah. 3 a.m. at house of yes on a Saturday night. Yeah. It There's is. no greater gift than being the DJ at that <laughs> point. Like you need to bring it. And he was so fucked up. He couldn't, and then he tried to like come back on. We had to like actually like eject him with security because it was like, <laughs> a whole situation. And yeah, he he recently messaged me on Instagram just with the hey, and I'm like, no, nah, I'm not. You're not gonna oh get my an answer. God. That is embarrassing. Embarrassing, really, really. <laughs> so yeah, um, you know, like be like a don't do that. Um, just be like try to be sober or or keep it under control, and you know your limits. Um, yeah. so that's that's really important. Um, and then I, one last thing, which is that warming up the room is like the greatest gift, I think. Mm. And as, as to yourself and your skills as a DJ, but also to like the audience and to the other DJs and for like the whole night, I think it's one of the most important roles. So. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love a good warm up set. And in fact, I'm actually encouraging more promoters to put me on early because I really like it. <laughs> and don't get me wrong, I do love um, bringing the energy for uh, a peak time set as well. But like, there's something about the opening, seeing people flow in and start to feel the rhythm that just like really just I love that. Yeah, I mean, you could set the tone for the whole night there, you know, and you could really like you're introducing people to what that night is and guiding them. It's really important. It's really, really important. Now at House of Yes, though, if you're playing the main room, you you should know the moment that those people come in, you've experienced this, Shannon, Mm -hmm. the energy is a lot higher than maybe a room where they're slowly trickling it. Because we like, (laughs) we deliberately hold the doors until we're at like capacity in the front room and then we let everyone in and they come rushing in. And so their energy is a lot higher than, you know, normal. But yeah, that's, I, I think warming up is one of the most important roles and awesome. And really, you know, you can grow as a DJ if you do that. So, you know, some people look down on it. Don't look down on it. Like this is, it's a gift. Follow me, follow me.
We're coming out of the interview between me and David Kiss from the House of Yes. He is the booking manager there. Um, and we're actually listening to a little snippet from my opening set at House of Yes for Ultra Nate. Uh, what a fun night that was. I've actually had the honor of playing at House of Yes uh, twice, thanks to David. And it was special every time. I mean, um, the staff takes care of you incredibly. Always make sure your writer is set. Um, and I honestly don't drink that much when I play. But whenever I invite my friends or family, they always take good care of um, my guests. So shout out to everyone at House of Yes, David, and the whole entire team. And actually, I want to double back to a point that David made about performance contracts. We are actually going to be talking about them more in depth with my next special guests uh, the week after next. And I won't give it away because they're absolutely amazing. Um, but I just think it's so imperative for my DJs, performers, um, you know, any creative to have a contract or some sort of performance agreement in place. Um, what they do essentially, if you don't know, they set the terms of your agreement with the venue that you're playing at or uh, the event that you're going to be providing your services at, you know? So it clearly states your fee, the set time, how the payment should be handled after the event. What happens if, for example, you get COVID and you can't perform, you know? That needs to be in your performance act contract. And actually, I just sought out legal help this month uh, from a service called the Council for Creators. And they're helping me to amend the current contract that I have now. Um, and so far, it's been absolutely amazing. And if you want me to send uh, the info for the service that I'm using, I will happily do that. Just contact me on social media at Shannon1DJ. I think initially when you're first starting out, you tend to think of this as just a hobby, right? But no, you literally have to sign a contract when you are going into a nine to five workplace, right? You have to sign a contract even when you do an internship as a student. Why not sign a contract to do your art, you know, and to make things legit? We need to legitimize our craft. And that's something that I talk about so much um, and that I preach so much to people when I do have the um, the honor of dropping a few gems, you know, <laughs> now that I'm an old head. But it's so imperative to really establish yourself as a business because at the end of the day, you are providing a service, right? And you should really just protect yourself at all costs. So yeah, can't wait for next week's episode. And please, if this is your first time joining the podcast, join us on Patreon. I drop episodes ahead of the Friday release um, on there. And I shared some special tidbits about myself. If you subscribe to the highest tier, you'll get a special interview with me where we can talk more and nerd out about music um, or whatever you like. So please join us, patreon.com slash club management one. Until next time. <laughs>